Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondarthritis Podcast. I'll tell you what, this has been a crazy month here in February with getting moved and trying to release the episodes, and I can't thank Craig Munn at Munn Audio Productions enough for the help of editing some of these shows so that I can still manage to get a weekly show out to everybody as well as unpack my apartment and get all settled here in Jacksonville. So if you're doing any type of audio work or also looking at setting up or doing a podcast and you're looking for somebody to help you edit it, reach out to Munn Audio Productions and it's munnaudioprod at gmail.com. I'll have a link in the show notes, but Craig's really good. He's got 30 plus years of doing audio production and on-air radio work and all sorts of stuff. He uh, was my roommate in college going way, way back. It's just fantastic to work with him on a professional level. With that, I've been getting settled in Florida, getting everything set, and it's really, really been an amazing time this last few weeks. But for the show today, oh, at the end of January, the last three weeks of January, I did some episodes on adjusting to axial spondarthritis diagnosis, some first steps in treating it, and some medications and treatments. Those episodes were all really base level. They were designed to just give you a very, very brief overview so that you could start to work on what is the best way to tackle my axial spondarthritis. And since I've posted those three episodes in the last three, four weeks or so, I have gotten a lot of feedback from everybody, a lot of messages, immense amount of DMs, asking about, is there any way I could take and kind of expand on one of those episodes about treatments and some medications? Now, I am not a doctor, not even close, so let me preface it by first saying, everything I'm going to give to you today is really just to give you a baseline when you go in to talk to your rheumatologist, your primary care physician, your orthopedic surgeon, whoever you're talking to. These are just really meant to serve as a baseline. It's not medical advice that you should act on in a vacuum. These are all things that are just designed to give you a level set with your doctors. The reason I say it that way is because when you start to go in to deal with these doctors, they're busy, you feel like maybe you're being put off a bit, and you have to be your best advocate. You are your advocate. You want to go in maybe a list of questions because when you get in front of that doctor and you get nervous and you might forget to ask, you walk out, you get in your car to leave and you're like, oh, I meant to ask this, 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 and you miss it. Go ahead, make sure you're writing all these things down when you're going into an appointment so that you put them on a notes on your phone, put them on a pad of paper. The easiest way for you to remember to actually ask the doctor what your questions are. Let's jump right into today's episode. This is based, again, on an article from the Arthritis Foundation. I'll have a link in the show notes, and it's called Treatment Options for Axial Spondyloarthritis. We know that there's three main facets you want to achieve with the treatment of any condition, but primarily axial spondyloarthritis. That's to reduce pain and stiffness, prevent deformities, and help you continue your normal daily activities as best you can. This disease control involves medication, physical therapy, exercise, and then living a lifestyle that will you know, help you support your well-being, help you be the best you. So let's get in and look at a few of these different items. First, let's start with medications. This is really one that draws a lot of controversy because there's people that'll say, I want to treat it naturally. I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's great. If you can do it and your body does respond to it that way, you know, that's great. That does not mean that what works for you is going to work for everybody. 
if anybody listening to this wants to go and try diet and exercise first, I believe that's a great way to do it. But don't ignore the pain to a point where your body starts to progress down the fusion path and you become resistant or stubborn to taking any type of medications. Let's look at some of the medications that you might encounter. And these medications aren't in any particular order. The first one is NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And these are usually the first one that you encounter for axial spondyloarthritis. They may be prescribed, you know, in high doses or there are some that are just over the counter. And for me, when I was first diagnosed, it was a prescription dose of naproxen because that's really all there was in 1984. Biologics and all that didn't exist yet. So that was the only course of treatment they had. It worked. I mean, it sometimes worked. Other times it was nothing. But NSAIDs can hurt you with long-term use. I can now not take them. I've had kidney damage from the long-term use of NSAIDs. So I'm off. I did have some good luck with one called Celebrex for many, many years. You might hear some of these names put at you and they all fall in that NSAIDs. Next is Biologics. Now, these are the ones that many people will read the potential side effects and say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to take them. But I'll tell you, this is the one drug for me I wish that had been available when I was first diagnosed. I made a comment a month or so ago on a post on a forum on Facebook. The person was saying, oh my gosh, I might have to take a shot for the rest of my life. And I said, you know, when I was diagnosed in 1984, I wish they'd existed. I'd gladly have taken a bi-weekly, weekly, monthly shot to have the power that they can bring to some people and potentially ward off all the damage that I have now as a 51-year-old man. These medications will be used if your disease is very active, which mine was, and is not responding very well to NSAIDs. The category of biologics that works best for axial spondyloarthritis is for many, many people called a tumor necrosis factor, a TNF inhibitor. If your disease doesn't respond and mine didn't to the TNF drugs, your doctor may try an anti-IL-17 agent. Wow, that sounds big, but that's something like Cosentix. There's a couple of them that fall into that anti-IL-17. For me now, I've been on Cosentix about three and a half years, and it's been a fantastic medication for me. The unfortunate part with biologics is there's no way for the doctor to sit down and tell you, you take this one, this is the one that's going to help you. It may, it may not. So the only thing you can do is try one, give it three to six months, see if it works. If it doesn't, move on to the next one. Don't put so much hope in one medication as far as one brand. Be open to say, I'll try it. If it doesn't work, I'll go on to the next one. If that one doesn't work, I'll go on to the next one. I'm on my third one. I've heard others say their fourth, fifth one. It really all depends. So just be open and know that you may have to take more than one to find the one that's going to work for you. Next is the sulfasalazine. This is a conventional synthetic anti-rheumatic drugs are usually used for people just seeing spinal progression. The sulfazines, however, may be used when joints other than those of the back or pelvis are affected. It's really one where your doctor may prescribe that in conjunction with a strong dose of NSAID or there's multiple ways they can use this. This is a medication I was never on. My doctors never really brought it up, so I'm not sure why, but it just wasn't one that I was on. The next one is analgesics. These pain relievers like acetaminophen can ease pain if you aren't able to take NSAIDs. It won't reduce inflammation. And that's what I take now with some acetaminophen. If I am having a lot of pain, it doesn't bring down the inflammation, as it says. But if I'm taking my Cosentix, that should knock the inflammation down. Then the acetaminophen can then help reduce some of the pain. They work. 
not all the time, but they work. And the last one, I'm going to butcher this name, is the corticosteroids, the glucocorticoids. Sorry for any of you hardcore medical people. I butchered that name. I've never taken that. It's usually injecting a powerful anti-inflammatory directly into like the knees or the shoulders can provide some really quick relief. I know a lot of people have used these and continue and currently use them. Again, it's not one that I ever used, so I can't provide any of my own insights into it and say this is how I acted or this is how I reacted to the medication. We covered a number of medications. As with every medication, there's potential risks, potential side effects. You want to talk about those to your doctor. Ask them what is the best course of action for you. They're going to have preferred treatments that they like to use for people in situations like yours. Don't be afraid to question why they're saying that you should take X over Z. Let them know you're somewhat familiar if you are. Let them know that you are thinking about this drug because of this or that. And let them tell you no. Let them explain to you why a particular drug might not work for you. And then you can say, okay, well, then what might work in that place? Again, you have to be the advocate. You have to go in there and be loaded up and know what you're going to talk to the doctor about. The second thing that you want to really consider is physical therapy and exercise. Can't say this enough. I've been to many, many hours of physical therapy because of my hip replacements. Never went to any physical therapy just for the AS. After four hip replacements, I've been through a lot of physical therapy. The one thing that I wish I had known, that I wish had been talked to me way back when I was a kid, in my 20s, and even in my 30s, about axial spondyloarthritis was the exercise. Regular exercise, swimming, light weights. Just whatever type of exercise works best for you is so important. We've said this over and over throughout the show. If you are not exercising now, take it slow. You don't have to go out and try to run a marathon. Walk around your house. Walk around your block. Just get up and move. There's a lot of videos on Instagram and YouTube and even Facebook that discuss people that are maybe overweight and how they've started their exercise programs, including somebody like me who's overweight and on crutches. There's only limited things that I can do. The best time to start exercising was yesterday. The next best time is today. And if you really want to work hard towards that, I'd also encourage you to go out and join Yoga for AS. Both Jeff and Jamie have ankylosing spondylitis. They do yoga programs for beginners, intermediate, and advanced. And you don't have to tie yourself in pretzels if you can't or you know any of those things that we think of when we think of yoga. Nope. These are really, really good programs to help you start to get in shape, start to build up the muscle and the strength and everything you need to push yourself and keep working forward. Please, again, work that out talk to your doctor, make sure that it's okay that you join an exercise program, do the exercises, do the physical therapy. If it helps afterwards, take a hot shower, warm shower to keep your muscles loose. Do your deep breathing exercises. I do mine in the morning when I get up, I swing my legs over the side of the bed. I sit there and I take four, five, six different deep breaths and then do twisting and turning and bending, all that to get ready for the day to just get up and move. Incorporate those items in. Make sure that you're active. It's all about just being active. That's really what I want you to focus on is staying active and keeping a good positive attitude as you work towards whatever your exercise goals are. Number three, 
living with axial spondyloarthritis. Well, along with the physical therapy and medication, you can do a whole bunch of different things to help your mental state, to help you feel better, to help your health, take charge of what's going on with your medical treatment. You want to be proactive. Again, you are your number one advocate. So you need to take a real good hands-on approach to your treatment and becoming a really good self-manager of your disease, knowing what's going on with your body, knowing how to interact with the doctors and the nurses to get the best treatment that you need. Next, build a healthcare team. As I've mentioned in other episodes, get a good primary care physician, a rheumatologist, an ophthalmologist, and last but not least, an orthopedic surgeon. Those four are going to be the basis of all of your treatment for axial spondyloarthritis. They're all going to handle different things, but if they know each other, if they can work with each other, if they can trade notes with each other, that's going to make your treatment that much better. Also, keep track of symptoms, keep track of your medications, and keep track of any side effects you're encountering. There are some great apps. I did an interview a while back with James Allen. He was the developer of the app Chronic Insights. I'll have a link to the website, and he'll get you set up to download the app either onto an iOS device or an Android device so that you can track symptoms, where you're having pain. There's all sorts of different things that you can do with his app, and he has ankylosing spondylitis as well. You know, he knows what this disease does. He designed this app around ankylosing spondylitis. So that's a good option. And there's some others, you know, any of those will be really good options for you to track what's going on a daily basis. It could just be a loose leaf notebook pad where you write down what's going on. Anything that allows you to take that into the doctor to show them what you're dealing with. Speaking of doctors, get regular checkups and keep up with immunizations and just any treatment plans the doctors prescribe to you. That doesn't mean that, oh, I'm feeling good, so I'm going to skip my doctor appointment and I'll see the doctor in two or three years. No, you want to go routinely to your primary care physician, your rheumatologist, and your ophthalmologist if needed. The ophthalmologist is going to be key for when you get bouts of iritis or uveitis. They will get you right in and help you deal with that real fast. It's not something you want to let go long term. I made the mistake of letting mine go long term because I didn't know what it was. It was being treated as pink eye and I ended up in the emergency room. Luckily, there was an ophthalmologist there and ended up getting a shot in my eye. Trust me, that's not something you ever want to experience. So make sure that you keep up with all your doctors, visit on a regular basis, whether that be six months, yearly, whatever. And then last, ask questions and share concerns with your healthcare team. Let your doctor know what you're thinking and feeling. Let your rheumatologist know what you're feeling and what you're thinking about the treatment plan and ask about newer options. Is there anything additional that you can be doing? The more you interact with them, the easier it will get to be to make sure that your treatment plan is moving along in a nice, seamless way and you're getting what you need out of it. Also, maintain good posture. This, I know, is, again, this is a terrible one to say because as I tell you and suggest these things that I think will help you, I can think back to me not doing them. I did not maintain a good posture, and because of that, my spine curled, I'm hunched over, I'm a mess. So when you're maintaining that good posture, do things like get a good mattress. Try several at the store. I know you can't go in there and sleep overnight at the store, 
but go in and try whether it be one of these memory foam mattresses or sleep number beds or for me I have a nice firm mattress with an adjustable base for me that's fantastic for others they might not like it so you just have to go and you have to try them and see what works best for you Honestly, I spend more nights in my recliner than I do in my bed. So that's also something you want to consider when you're mattress shopping. Try to keep your back as straight as you can when you're walking or sitting. Keep your shoulders up and head up. Those will all do wonders for you long term in the process of keeping you from fusing hunched over. Many, many of us that listen to this show have jobs where you sit all day. For those, make sure you get up, walk around, keep your back up straight, and practice good posture. If you're, on the other hand, have a job where you're up and moving all the time, just make sure you're not slouched over. Make sure that you're doing all you can do to keep that back straight. I see a lot about, should I get a back posture device and all that? The general rule is to not get anything like that. The corsets and braces, they're not usually very helpful for somebody with AS, and they can make your back muscles weaker because the back starts to rely on them. It's not something that's generally suggested for AS, but if your doctor suggests it, go for it. I have one for my back that my doctor suggested. I've used it on occasion, but very limited. I don't like to because I don't want my back to become reliant upon it. On top of maintaining good posture, this one is stop smoking. If you smoke, stop. Smoking will worsen any lung problems that you have. We already know we can get the tightening of the rib cage that makes it harder for us to breathe. You don't want to screw that up by including smoking in the mix. Many type of jobs include smoking cessation programs. Take advantage of them. But if you smoke and you have AS, stop. If you smoke in general, you should stop. But if you have AS, that's really one you definitely, definitely want to take advantage of and quit. Also, use self-help devices. You're like, what's that? I have limited mobility. So I have a self-help device, namely my dog. He is a service dog that is trained to pick things up if I drop them, if I can't bend over. He is also trained to retrieve things for me. You know, there's a number of different things that he does. You don't need a service dog if you don't want one. I'm just telling you why I have one. I also use a scooter because I can't walk long distances. I use cane at times. I use crutches at times. And I have a huge leg brace that I wear on my left leg because of neuropathy done after I had my last hip replacement. And I have a drop foot now. There's all sorts of assistive devices. Could be something as simple as one of those little claws where you click, you know, you squeeze on the handle and the fingers go together so you can pick stuff up off the floor. Don't be afraid to get anything like that. If you need it, use it. Do something I call seek emotional wellness. You know, if you're feeling sad or worried, anxious, those are all parts of having a chronic disease. I did a episode in late December, early January, and in that episode, I talked to Callie Hunter. And Callie is a therapist that helps with chronic illnesses and working your way through those chronic illnesses. I'll have, again, a link to that episode in the show notes. And Callie is a great resource, both on her website, as well as if you decide you want to engage with her, you can talk about your chronic illness. She does therapy, and it's something I think many people should take a look at treating themselves to. In that vein, if you have a partner, communicate with them. Some will be supportive, some will not be. I'm sorry for the ones that aren't. If you have one that's not really believing because they've never heard of AS, play some of these episodes for them. Let them hear me be your voice so that they go, 
wow, I didn't realize that there's other people with this. You're not just talking just to try and get out of something, not do something, whatever. Whatever their thought process is, let me help you help break that so that they can become better. You know, let them know when you're in pain. Let them know that you really want to do stuff with them, but the AS might be limiting you certain times. Communicate that it's not them, it's you, not in a bad way, but that it's you that is dealing with an issue that they just can't fix for you. They can only help to support you through it. Maybe they'll come away being a great supportive partner and you'll have a much easier life. You don't know until you try it. If you have a company where you work, see about making any workplace accommodations. You know, there's a lot of people with axial spondyloarthritis can maintain a very productive work life. You just have to make sure that you have accommodations that help you stay as a great employee or a great boss. And that could be if you have a job where there is lifting of heavy things, maybe you can't do that anymore. Maybe it needs to be relooked at the job requirements so that you can avoid hurting your back anymore. Raise computer monitors up so that you're looking directly at them and not down. That'll help to keep your head directly pointing ahead instead of looking down at a computer monitor. Get up and move around if you sit a lot. It doesn't have to be a long distance. Walk to the kitchen. Walk around the living room. Just walk. Get up and move. If you need a cushion in your chair, do that. If you need a new chair, talk to the company about that. There might be some type of ergonomic chairs that work better for you. And then talk with your boss about arranging short rest periods through the day. Maybe that's you don't take breaks in the traditional 15 or 20-minute break. Maybe you take a bunch of little five-minute breaks where you get up and just move around to help to keep your back stretched. And then also something to consider is eating well. There's not really a specific diet for AS. However, there are a number that people will look at, whether that be keto, paleo, gluten-free, and the list goes on and on and on. Way back in the beginning of this show, episode three, I did an interview with Vinny Tortorich, who does the no sugar, no grain diet slash lifestyle. He's got a couple movies on, I think, Amazon called Fat that talk about the food industry and what it does to us. They're really good. I'll have a link to Vinny's episode here, and I encourage you to listen. That one's really good because Vinny talks a lot about different food styles. Consider ways to ease the pain of fatigue. You know, pace yourself. If you can lighten your work schedule, get somebody to help you, take fewer breaks, you know, just pace yourself so you don't wear yourself out really fast. Fatigue is a major issue with this disease. What I'm trying to come up with are ways to help you fight fatigue. Then hot and cold treatments. Heat improves blood flow and can ease joint stiffness, where cold helps to reduce swelling by constricting blood vessels. So depending on how you're feeling at any given day, it might be cold packs, it might be a hot shower. You have to really kind of look and see what's best for you. There are some relaxation techniques that you can incorporate, whether it just be stretching, moving around. It could be something like meditation, whatever's going to work best for you. There's also massage. I love getting a massage where I can lay on my stomach and have the masseuse work on my lower back. That's really my lower back up to my shoulders is all I like to have. You know, you skip the legs, everything else, just work on my spine area. To me, that feels so good when I get up off the table. There can be some topical treatments as well, like pain cream that you can use. The pain cream might include NSAIDs, and there's all sorts of ones now coming out that include CBD. So again, discuss with your doctor. Let them talk with you about what might work for you and see what can help you get the most amount of pain reduction. Lastly, but certainly not least, is surgery. 
there's a few types of surgeries that can be done for somebody with axial spondyloarthritis. A lot of it revolves around joint replacement. I've had four hip replacements, three on the left side, one on the right side. There are things like that, knees, shoulders. There's things they can do with putting plates in different parts of your spine to help you. That's the reason for the orthopedic surgeon and to bring that orthopedic surgeon in so that they can help you determine, along with your primary care and your rheumatologist, what's going to be the best course of action for you regarding surgeries. So with that said, I know this has been a little bit of a longer episode, but I had so many people reach out that they wanted a little more in-depth information. I hope you can take all this, use it to open up the discussion channels with your doctors, and get yourself in the best treatment plan you can. Please go to spondypodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter. It's been going great. I can't believe the numbers that have shown as they pop up in there. So I really appreciate that. Also, if you like the episode... Please feel free to go on spondypodcast.com and go to the Buy Me a Coffee link. And if you feel so inclined, drop a few dollars towards the show to help support what I'm doing here. Can be an ongoing monthly thing, can be a one time. Your choice, it's all appreciated. Thank you, and everybody have a wonderful week.